the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, last weekend, the clouds disappeared and gave us a sunny weekend to enjoy those walks and those long bike rides. Well... Uh, this weekend, we are socked in, so uh, now the cloud cover is over us, and uh, now may be a good time to catch up on the old to-do list, uh, maybe get started on organizing the taxes, especially if we expect to get a refund. Always good to get started early there. And if you're lucky, you may have Martin Luther King Day off. On Monday, the banks and the government offices, the post offices will be closed, uh, schools and stock and the bond markets, they'll be closed. And in between relaxing and odd jobs, we can review what's happening in the economy and see how uh, that's affecting our investment. This week, Asia markets were on the rise, uh, but the European and the U.S. markets eased down, primarily due to the drag of the coronavirus and the start of the fourth quarter earnings season. Uh, possibly even concerns about any disturbances uh, next week during the uh, presidential inauguration. Uh, the biggest medical, social, and economic problem today is the coronavirus, which continues to spread and disrupt the nation 
and the economy. This is the third wave of the virus. It started to pick up in early October and hopefully is now reaching a climax after the end of the uh, holiday season. That's the same thing I said last week. So uh, hopefully it'll start to uh, plateau off and then decrease as time goes on. And we're currently battling right now approximately 240,000 new cases each day and about 4,000 deaths per day. And it's having a big impact on the economy and basically our wellness. Uh, our defense against the virus is improving with uh, 13 million vaccinations uh, since December 15th, and that's approximately uh, 433,000 vaccinations per day. But that's it's a lot of there leaves a lot of room for improvement. You know, according to the John Hopkins University database, uh, 31.2 million doses have been distributed to the state thus far. And uh, that basically says you're uh, vaccinating about 41.6% of the uh, supply that you have. So we've got to pick up the pace uh, for the vaccination. Um, This 433,000 vaccinations per day is faster than the 240,000 new virus cases each day, but it should be much faster if we expect to get ahead of this thing. At this, in this past week, the vaccination pace did pick up to 845,000 a day. I don't know whether that was a superhuman effort for one day or whether that was uh, something that we can count on uh, day after day for seven days a week. Uh, we'll find out. And even now, the uh, this 845,000 vaccinations per day has to be increased if we're going to control the coronavirus by midsummer. You remember in, in November, you know, when the success of the uh, two vi- the vaccines, you know, the Pfizer uh, BioNTech and the uh, Moderna vaccines were uh, reported to be in the 90% range. People envisioned that we would reach herd immunity by midsummer, so we would be able to get back to normal by the summer. By midsummer, Dr. Fauci he referred to uh, herd immunity as about eighty uh, percent of the people would be uh, immune or vaccinated, and that's about uh, considering three hundred and twenty million Americans. That's about two hundred and sixty million people. Well, presently, only 4% or 13 million of the U.S. population has been vaccinated, leaving approximately 243 million to be to be vaccinated by July 1st. That's six and a half months away. Uh, that computes to about 1.3 million vaccinations per day, seven days a week. So uh, we've got a lot of improvement to make if we expect to get to normal by the middle of the summer. That means the pace has to pick up from 840,000 per day to 1.3 million vaccinations per day. And that means seven days a week, too. And that's a 50%, over a 50% increase. And uh, that should certainly be doable. Uh, if the manufacturers can keep up with the demand, uh, 
and the vaccination rate increases. After all, uh, November 4th, we saw 150 million people vote in one day. And uh, certainly, I think the the state can get around to vaccinating 1.3 million uh, people in one day. So they're all set. Remember, in the uh, the the Board of Elections, they know where to... uh, they you know the uh, school uh, gymnasiums and the church basements and every place else uh, where people vote, and uh, that could be a site for uh, the uh, vaccinations. And they also know how to keep records and check your ID. And, and uh, uh, the thing that's missing in in uh, is the people who know how to handle the vaccine and know how to uh, vaccinate people. But uh, the big questions here are, can the, can the states increase their performance to 1.3 million vaccinations per day? And are the two vaccine producers contracted to provide uh, that uh, throughput long enough to uh, vaccinate 80% of the people? Uh, President-elect Biden has promised to administer, that was part of his um, uh, campaigning, uh, to administer 100 million doses of uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccines uh, during the first 100 days of the presidency. In order to accomplish that, he proposed a plan Friday, uh, and uh, President-elect, this is from the Wall Street Journal, outlined his proposal to give the federal government a bigger role in getting Americans vaccinated against COVID-19, including setting up uh, federally supported community centers and mobile clinics for delivering shots. The plan, which uh, Mr. Biden described in a speech Friday, marks a shift in the coronavirus response that has so far involved the Trump administration purchasing and distributing vaccines while relying heavily on states to administer the shots. Uh, For Mr. Uh, Biden, This will be one of the most challenging operational efforts ever undertaken uh, by the country, unquote. Uh, Mr. Biden said he would expand the use of Korean War uh, national security mobilization law, uh, known as the Defense Production Act, in an effort to increase manufacturing of vaccines and vaccination supplies. He also called for a federally-led, locally-focused public information campaign to encourage America's, Americans to get the uh, vaccine. Uh, per the Wall Street Journal article, uh, right now, if uh, manufacturing projections previously put forward by companies hold up, Mr. Biden's pledge to administer 100 million doses of uh, COVID-19 vaccines during the first 100 days of his presidency should be possible. That's according to manufacturing and supply chain experts. But efforts to significantly ramp up vaccines and curtail spread of the virus will depend upon state partnerships and public buy-in from some of the uh, public health measures. So uh, apparently we've got a system right now that is coming up to speed, but it hasn't really shown that it can get up to uh, the proper speed in terms of uh, vaccinations, and that's uh, being led by the states. 
and uh, and uh, President-elect Biden is proposing uh, another federal program that will apparently mesh with that, and uh, we'll see how these two uh, uh, vaccine distribution systems mesh. Uh, remember, the goal is uh, somewhere in the order of 1.3 million vaccinations per day, uh, seven days a week. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. Time will tell. And uh, and for the surprises this week, uh, on Wednesday, the House of Representatives voted to impeach uh, President Trump for an unprecedented second time. Uh, this according to the Wall Street Journal, alleging that he encouraged a mob to storm Congress last Wednesday as part of an effort to uh, overturn Biden's election win. The vote was 232 uh, for the impeachment and 197 against. And uh, the impeachment basically is an indictment uh, against the president by the House of Representatives, and that must be followed by a trial in the Senate. Uh, When the trial is going to happen, it uh, certainly appears that uh, President uh, Trump will be out of office before it uh, uh, can happen. So, uh, uh, you know, so what we're going to do is have the uh, uh, the uh, trial sometime after the president has left the office. Now, this whole event, the, mid, the midweek impeachment of President Trump, has limited uh, impact on the markets with investors focusing mainly on prospects for accelerated vaccine distribution and the pending announcement by President-elect Biden of his economic stimulus plan. So uh, basically, the announcement happened uh, Wednesday, and uh, the stock market continued to move up on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. So continuing on, the economic news this week was mixed but generally showed that the economy is continuing to slow. It's, uh, this week, we look at the applications for unemployment benefits, and that reversed course and headed up big time. Initial applications for unemployment jumped 181,000 during the week of uh, January uh, 2nd to the 9th, and it jumped up uh, to 1 million applications that particular week after uh, dropping for the previous three weeks. Uh, That validates the payroll data from December, which showed a loss of 140,000 payroll jobs, with a vast majority of the job losses being at leisure and hospitality. If you recall, uh, in December, the uh, leisure and hospitality, the restaurants, the sports, the theaters, uh, there was a loss of close to 500,000 jobs in one month. And uh, also going along with this idea of the economy is slowing, uh, the Christmas spending was down in December, and, it, and uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce reported that U.S. consumers cut back on retail spending during the December peak of the holiday season as the uh, country confronted a a surge in uh, virus infections. They seasonably adjusted uh, 0.7%, seven-tenths of 1% 
month-over-month drop marked the third straight decline in the Commerce Department's measure uh, of spending at stores and uh, vehicle uh, auto dealerships and restaurants and online uh, after a, the, it had been growing last spring and summer, but now uh, spending is running into trouble. And you can you can probably see it just from the uh, uh, the stimulus uh, information. You remember when uh, in March uh, when they passed the CARES Act and they they cut loose approximately two and a half uh, uh, trillion dollars worth of fiscal stimulus, and by the time you get into all the other things they were passing, they put about the federal government put about three trillion dollars of liquidity into the uh, economy. And uh, uh, that went in in March and April, and that was basically probably almost used up by the time we got around to October. So uh, then we've been uh, talking and talking and talking about this uh, next uh, uh, fiscal stimulus bill, the one that was recently passed for $900 billion, that was talked to death from uh, June to uh, December, and it finally got passed in December, and there was a whole lot of uh, political maneuvering uh, going on in getting that uh, $900 billion stimulus on the table. So that should uh, help uh, uh, the spending, uh, because the original spending, uh, the fiscal stimulus, kind of ran out in September and October. Uh, according to that report from the Department of Commerce, spending declined in a number of key categories, including online purchases, bars, restaurants, electronics, uh, groceries, and department stores, and increased in uh, home improvements, health and personal care products, and clothing and gasoline. Uh, the gasoline wasn't due to more driving. It was more due to increase in um, uh, the oil prices and the gasoline prices. Um, the value of the sales, retail sales in uh, 2020, increased only uh, six-tenths of 1% from 2019. That's the weakest in uh, 11 years. Generally, in terms of uh, retail spending, what you see is about a half a percent uh, increase each month, you know, and the whole thing increases about uh, three or four percent per year. So uh, needless to say, there's a big difference between three and four percent and a little over half of one percent. So retail spending is down. And uh, and then from what we're seeing, you know, there's two basically two parts of uh, this economy. One is uh, the part that's exposed to the coronavirus, and that's the restaurants, the theaters, the sporting events. And uh, that sector of the economy has basically basically been beaten down to the floor. Uh, that won't come back until the uh, summer when we finally get control of this virus. So you can see how uh, control of this virus is uh, directly impacting uh, the economy. The other part and the bigger part of the economy is the goods producing and the transportation management and, and all the other parts that aren't associated directly with the coronavirus. And that's 
that's uh, uh, has been in a V-shaped recovery since the original shutdown occurred in March and April of last year. So uh, this week, the uh, uh, the Federal Reserve reported some good news in the sense that the U.S. industrial production increased solidly in December and uh, providing a source of strength for the uh, U.S. economy as consumer spending and, and employment uh, gains uh, slowed. Uh, and the in their industrial production and capacity utilization report, the Federal Reserve said that uh, industrial production, which is a measure of the factory, mining, and utility output, increased uh, uh, at 1.6% in December. And uh, uh, utility sector, uh, uh, the demand for heating picked up following warmer than usual November weather. So utilities output increased 6.2% in December from the previous month. Manufacturing, which is 73% of the industrial production, that climbed almost 1% uh, in uh, December from the previous month. And uh, manufacturing has been regaining strength and uh, is has uh, uh, covered most of the ground that it's lost since in the big uh, uh, fall into the hole in March and April. So manufacturing is down about two, 2.8% from where it was in February. So they've regained almost everything that's been lost. Mining output rose to 1.6%. Over the month, and uh, and uh, that's been basically driven by the increase in the uh, oil prices. The oil prices a month ago were down at about uh, forty-eight dollars a barrel. Now they're with the idea that uh, the global economy is picking up. Uh, oil prices have picked up to about fifty-two, fifty-three dollars a barrel. So there's going to be more mining, and that uh, that uh, fracking is basically part of the mining thing too. You know, when we talk about talk about the what's happening in the economy, uh, we're seeing uh, some bad news as well as some good news. Um, you know, the the uh, the bad news is that a certain section of our economy, and uh, that sector includes uh, restaurants and theaters and, and sports events. Uh, both the uh, the people employed as well as the employers, the business owners, are uh, just barely hanging in there right now. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the business owners that I talk to, um, basically I advised them to, about several months ago, I advised them to basically close up until this uh, whole thing is over, but other ones, uh, uh, they wanted to continue, and some of them have gone bankrupt. Uh, one of the big things has been these uh, uh, the uh, uh, payroll protection plans has helped them with regard to government loans, things of this nature. So uh, these things do affect us as uh, part of our, as being, we are part of that economy and uh, does affect uh, our investments and our uh, income. So what we look at is what's happening in the big picture, and I see good things happening. 
as well as bad. We're, we're slowing down, but uh, the $900 billion uh, that was just kicked in in the end of uh, December will help, as well as uh, uh, there's a new program that uh, President-elect Biden is talking about of uh, approximately $1.9 trillion. We'll talk about that in, in a while. I expect that uh, we'll we'll if we get this vaccination under control and we get the uh, 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 the uh, stimulus money and keep the businesses going and the people employed, then we'll get to a point uh, uh, this summer, uh, perhaps this spring and summer, where we really kick up and and uh, uh, start getting back to normal again. Uh, that's in the big picture, but uh, in the in the micro picture where we all live, uh, we have our uh, finances and our uh, money money problems and money issues. Uh, some people have uh, uh, their their greatest uh, problem and issue has been that uh, they were sent home and uh, they're working from home now and. Uh, Basically, in those cases, they're building up their um, savings accounts because they're not going out to eat and they're not traveling anymore. There's no more vacation spots. So the other part of the people are uh, living paycheck to paycheck or living uh, uh, unemployment benefit to unemployment benefit. So um, make sure that in your financial planning, you're taking the time to sit down and Really hover over your budget. Really hover over your accounts. Make sure that you have your emergency fund, which should mean um, we always project about six percent of uh, of uh, uh, spending expenses for the family. Uh, certainly, if you have a, a steady job, a real steady job that isn't that you haven't that never never has any. Uh, cases of unemployment, why, that could be less than six months. If you're a a salesperson working on commission, it could be as much as a year. So make sure you've got your emergency fund. Make sure that you're starting to look ahead because this, this event wasn't planned. This COVID thing wasn't planned. This is this epidemic. And, uh, uh, you have to have, uh, a a plan set up, and you have to basically uh, think your way through in terms and talk to a financial planner about thinking your way through in terms of how you're going to meet your goals, how you're going to allocate your resources now uh, to each one of those goals, how you're going to sit on top of those Funds and make sure that they're producing the way they're producing, or you, or maybe you've got to put more money in or change your strategy. Uh, whatever you have to stick with it for, basically the rest of your life. And uh, it's always good to have a financial planner there to, to give you some confidence that what you're doing is right and what you're doing is uh, something that uh, either most of the other people are doing or something that has worked in the past. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number about uh, your issues and problems and questions and all the rest at uh, 
Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. I'll repeat that. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can get us your call at our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Let's go to the phone today. Hi, John. How are you? Good morning. I haven't talked to you for a whole year. But anyway, oh. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, I just want to add this. If this is a time to another type of Manhattan type of thing, such as all the enroll agents, ADP, all the paychecks, all the payroll preparers, SBA people. The idea is to get the oxygen going to the brain of common sense. We can spread this money to the small business especially and all the affected industries. I don't care if there's any kind of business. We should involve everybody involved, not just the internal revenue only, the tentacles, no pun intended. We have to do something that we should have done yesterday. That's the type of urgency, but we can do it, and we will do it, and I hope for the best. Good. I I, I agree with everything you said, John. And, and uh, you know, I've got quite a few people, that uh, clients that uh, have utilized that payroll protection plan, you know, the small businesses that uh, uh, right now uh, – uh, it starts again. This this latest nine hundred billion dollar uh, fiscal stimulus put three hundred billion dollars into the payroll production plan, and that starts. Uh, I think it's January eleventh, and uh, uh, it uh, if you go down to the bank, and if you got your take your take your accountant down to the bank and. Uh, you can borrow approximately two and a half months worth of, uh, of expenses, your payroll expenses. So you got to show them your uh, payroll expenses and the utilities and the rent. And uh, uh, you can, if you can show them that you've been impacted by the coronavirus in terms of your receipts for 
uh, quarter of uh, 2020 are sometimes somewhere around 20% or 25% less than in 2019. Uh, you can get a, uh, a five-year loan that will turn into a, that will be extinguished as long as that money is spent on, 60% of the money is spent on uh, uh, payroll and uh, keeping your people employed and also uh, spent on rent and uh, the other 40% spent on rent and uh, utilities. But you can spend 80% on, on, on payroll if you, uh, if you want to. So uh, that's becoming available, and you've got to sign up for it by the end of March, March 31st. So that's one of the plans. There's other plans for uh, uh, employers using other plans for uh, paying uh, health insurance for their workers. So uh, I think the government in, in uh, this time around, this is not a normal recession we're in. This is a, this is a pandemic, the shutdown of the economy, and uh, the government's position is, hey, uh, we're going to do everything necessary to get this economy back up to speed again. So I think along with what you said, John, uh, that is, that is uh, the government's philosophy. So. Uh, thank you very much for calling, and uh, you have a good uh, new year, and hopefully it won't be a year before you call back again. <laughs> this, is, this is Jim McAlee. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call, uh, 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. do do down do be do down down come on, come on. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, one of the things that uh, happened this week uh, was that uh, uh, President-elect Biden, uh, he proposed a sweeping $1.9 trillion uh, coronavirus relief plan. I think that's the name of the, the plan. And uh, uh, according to the Financial Times, uh, the plan announced by President-elect on Thursday evening in Delaware includes new direct payments to Americans, aid for state and local governments, and more funding for the coronavirus pandemic response. If enacted, the package will deliver a further jolt of fiscal stimulus to the struggling U.S. recovery after a $900 billion package agreed last month by U.S. lawmakers and a $3 trillion in relief passed at the start of the pandemic in uh, March. So he's put together a plan. That, that plan has got to get through uh, Congress, but the main elements of the plan are uh, direct stimulus payments, to individuals of uh, $1,400 each and also to the uh, dependents of uh, the people. I don't know what the requirements on the dependents are, but uh, the checks uh, have gone out already 
they started out, the $600 checks have started out, and this will be the, uh, if it's passed, if it's passed, this would be an additional $1,400 to get to that uh, $2,000 that was talked about in the in the December time frame. So that, and we also have aid to the state and the local government. Uh, that's to the tune of $350 billion. Uh, the limit, before I go through the whole list here, let's go to the phone. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you this morning? Hello? Hello? Oh, hi. Hello, hi, good morning. Good morning to good you. Good morning. Uh, my my question to you is, uh, knowing where the domestic stock market is, do you think uh, consideration more into international and or foreign stocks, Jim? And I'll uh, I'll hang up and and listen so I can hear you. Okay. All right. Let's Thank you. Being, yeah. uh, you're more than welcome. You have a good day, Larry. Uh, in terms of where the uh, global situation stands right now, what we're seeing is that uh, China is uh, doing better than anybody else on the globe. And part of that, a big part of that, is they're uh, 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 conquering the coronavirus in uh, you know the March, uh, January, February, March timeframe. Uh, they were Asia was more uh, was better at conquering the, the coronavirus than the West has been, and by the West I mean uh, uh, Europe and the United States. So basically, what you're seeing right now is that China is forging ahead. Uh, their manufacturing is up to speed. Their uh, consumer uh, spending is uh, almost up to speed now. It's a little slower. Uh, and that's true for China, and it's also true for the uh, Asian sphere. And then when you take a look at uh, Europe, uh, Europe is fighting the coronavirus just as hard as we are. And when we talk about uh, the number of deaths uh, approaching uh, 400,000, the European Union is also showing uh the number of deaths in that region, too. So the, the coronavirus is holding us and Europe back. And uh, uh, in our economy, what we're seeing is uh, a section of our economy is flat on the floor and uh, is not going to be able to get up until uh, we get this virus under control. Europe is even worse. Uh Germany is probably the only uh, bright spot in uh, in uh, Europe in terms of and their bright spot is not particularly services but manufacturing. So I would expect to see uh, Asia uh, and uh, uh, first in terms of uh, the stocks and the recover the recovery and hence the stocks. I would also expect to see. Uh, uh, reasonable returns for uh, Europe, too, as well as the United States. Basically, uh, the stock markets everywhere are factoring in that this, too, shall pass away. In other words, we will be successful in 
conquering this uh, COVID and uh, all the money that's being spent in uh, Europe and the United States and uh, everywhere around the world uh, will be able to uh, put the economy back on its feet again. So what we're seeing is overseas is doing better than we are right now. We are held back. Europe and us are held back by the coronavirus. I expect that as as we get closer to the summer, what will happen is that uh, we're, our stock market will pick up again. And uh, uh, Europe, uh, ours and Europe will pick up. And in fact, in terms of the recovery, the economic recovery, uh, it's China and probably us and then Europe uh, last. So uh, appreciate your call, Larry. If you got any other questions, uh, give us a call. Our phone number here is 1-888-281-1110. One of the things we talked about, uh, we were talking about, was this Biden's, uh, President-elect Biden's plan for uh, the uh, fiscal stimulus. And there we talked about uh, uh, $465 billion going out for direct stimulus payments to individuals. That would be checks for $1,400 each. We're also talking about $350 billion aid to states and local governments. That was a big bone of contention in this uh, what we were arguing all throughout the summer and fall over this $900 billion one. And uh, that, that'll be uh, you know, that'll be something that they'll be arguing about to pass this $1.9 trillion package. There'll also be uh, extensions of emergency jobless benefits. In the $900 billion uh, fiscal stimulus that was passed at the end of December, uh, there was a $300 per month uh, bonus in the unemployment benefits that was in in uh, addition to your usual state uh, unemployment benefits. So it was your, basically you'll get your state unemployment benefits plus the $300, but that only goes up to the middle of March. Uh, this new bill, this $1.9 trillion proposed bill, uh, will uh, take that, increase that from 300 to $400 a week and and continue that on into September. And uh, uh, then we take a look at uh, $170 billion for school uh, reopening. That includes universities and uh, what's going to take to uh, uh, do everything necessary to protect the teachers and the students in school. And then we've got uh, $160 billion for the coronavirus vaccination testing and tracing funds. In other words, that $160 billion is more than just the plan that I talked about in terms of the vaccinations. That's also in terms of there's something like hire 100,000 people to go through tracing people. And, and uh, by tracing, testing and tracing, I mean, uh, if you have coronavirus, who did you talk to? And they should contact those people and and get them tested and things of this nature. I don't know how um, how 
much of a requirement that's going to be after we get everybody vaccinated, but who knows? Uh, then there'll be $120 billion for a, a child tax credit expansion from, I think it's from 2000 to $3,000 per child, and then a $250 billion for a combination of just about everything else. So that totals out about close to $1.9 trillion. And that basically has to get through uh, Congress. And uh, um, how they're going to get it through Congress is going to be a matter of uh, what we pay our politicians for. In other words, we uh, they have to make compromises and they have to uh, um, get the job done in spite of the compromises. So uh, we'll see how that particular stimulus program uh, works. There's some people that say, oh, with the present stimulus, we can go without this 1.9. But there's other people that say, hey, better to be safe than sorry. And uh, let's do it and get it done with. So uh, it's just a matter of uh, it's going into uh, the Congress. And uh, uh, I'm sure over the next several months, hopefully over the next not, not more than three months, uh, we'll find out what the status of that is. And uh, part of that program is, the, the, as I mentioned with John when he called in, part of the program was that payroll protection uh, plan. And uh, that is not part of the $1.9 trillion. That was part of the $900 billion uh, stimulus plan that we just passed. And then uh, <clears throat> I'm advising people to do basically sign up for that. I think they start uh, January 11th. The banks will start uh, taking applications for it, and you got to get your application in by the end of uh, March. So uh, then you basically have to show uh, your payroll records and what you're spending per payroll, and uh, you can get two and a half months worth of payroll uh, alone that can be extinguished as long as you use the money that you borrowed to pay your people and pay your rent and pay your uh, utilities. And that's a way of keeping the businesses from going bankrupt, which where quite a few of them uh, are in that position right now. So uh, if we take a look at what's happening in all this um, uh, one of the concerns about this liquidity that's flowing into the system is that uh, is you know we got the CARES Act that pumped uh, around uh, three trillion dollars in the system, then we got the nine hundred billion dollars, and uh, what about the possible impacts on inflation? Uh, the government this this one point nine trillion that. Uh, President-elect Biden is talking about is all borrowed money. So uh, we're going to have to go out and borrow that $1.9 trillion to pour it into the uh, economy. So if you're you're looking at uh, inflation, the place we look at generally is the Consumer Price Index. And the Department of Labor, they report the Consumer Price Index. And the, the one for December shows that the increases in uh, gasoline and food prices uh, pushed up the uh, uh, the monthly change in uh, prices. So the Department of Labor reported that the consumer price index for 
the what they call the all urban consumer, uh, the CPI-U, increased four tenths of a percent in December, after raising uh, rising two tenths of a percent in November. So it did do a jump between uh, November and December. But if you take a look at over the last 12 months, the all item index uh, CPI increased only 1.4 percent. Over a long period of time, that uh, um, inflation or the CPI has averaged uh, about 4%. That's over a 50-year period. So this 1.4% is uh, not a big number in terms of the numbers that we're talking about. The increase in the index was driven by an 8.4% increase in gasoline and uh, that accounted for more than 60% of the overall increase. And the, the food index, food prices also rose in December, and, and it rose for both the food at home as well as the food uh, away from home. It, but it only raised, it only increased uh, four-tenths of 1%. Now, if you take, a, take out the food and fuel and go to the core, what they call the core CPI, uh, that increased one tenth of a percent in December, and uh, after ra- after rising two tenths of a percent in November. And if you take a look at it over the year, uh, it increased uh, the core consumer price index only increased one point six percent over the last twelve months. And that number one point six percent has been constant. For the last, uh, I'd say, the last three or four months, and so it indicates that basically uh, prices are increasing, but they're only increasing slowly. And uh, uh, one of the things we saw in December was that the uh, thing that increased it was the gasoline and the food, and primarily was the gasoline. Uh, you look at the month over month for December, gasoline was up 8.4%. Food at home was up four-tenths of a percent. Food away from home was up four-tenths of a percent. Now, if you take a look at it over the year, food went up 4%. Natural gas, heating gas, went up 4%. And uh, if you if you look at natural gas, what you see is that Natural gas prices have been increasing, but there the natural gas in the United States is nowhere uh, near what they're charging uh, uh, the natural gas, the liquefied natural gas that's going to Asia. Uh, that's that price is up about three three times as much. Uh, then you see uh, uh, used car uh, prices have gone up ten percent over the last year, and medical care has gone up about three percent. So. All in all, the the Federal Reserve is trying to get the uh, inflation up to two uh, percent. Uh, and uh, during the last uh, during the recovery from uh, two thousand and eight, uh, they every time they would increase, they would increase the uh, the interest rates. So that would damp out damp out any inflation that they had. So this time, the Federal Reserve has decided that what they're going to do is keep the rates low and uh, 
like the uh, overnight rates are somewhere between zero and one quarter of one percent. The ten-year uh, treasuries are somewhere around one point something percent, one point oh something percent, and they're going to keep those rates low. And even when inflation comes up above two percent, uh, they're going to let it go up so that the average is two percent. So it's been below two percent, and they're going to maybe let it rise to. Uh, Three percent, maybe three and a half percent, before they increase the rates again. Now, the Federal Reserve has indicated that they're going to keep those rates uh, constant uh, until probably until uh, the 2023. Now, uh, that's hard to believe, but uh, they might do it. They might keep the the idea here is that you're seeing stimulus fiscal stimulus from the U.S. government pouring into the system, liquefying it. You're also seeing uh, the monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve. And uh, the the theory here is that they're going to keep this pedal to the metal until this economy is roaring. So there's not going to be any uh, basically holding back at the last minute. So uh, that That'll be a story a couple of years from now, I think, when, when we get into that particular story. But that's not today's story. Today's story is that inflation is well under control, so there's no problem there. And uh, uh, one of the things we're seeing is that uh, the economy will we'll get over this COVID. And uh, in the summer, if they can get their act together in terms of the vac- vaccination uh uh, uh, process and uh, get us up to maybe one and a half billion doses a day or 1.3 million a day, uh, and we'll get there. And once we get there, the economy will boom again. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Today, Today, with the COVID, we're more isolated than before, and now there's an even greater need to reach out and help others. This is a story from uh, Paul Harvey this week, and it goes like this. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, Mrs. Thompson looked forward to the new school year, except there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stockholm. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he did not play well with the other children, that his clothes were messy, and he constantly needed a bath. Not a good sign. In addition, Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take delight in marking his face with a broad red pen, marking bold X's, and putting a big F at the top of the page. Well, that's terrible. (laughs) In the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past record. However, when she reviewed Teddy's file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and he has good manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote today, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness. His third grade teacher wrote his mother's death had been hard on him. He tried to do his best, but his father didn't show much interest. And Teddy's fourth-grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn 
and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends, and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. On that very same day, she quit teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy, and she worked with him. His mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. And by the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest kids in the class. And a year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy, telling her that she was the best teacher he ever had. Six years later, Teddy wrote that he had finished high school third in his class, and he was she was still the best teacher he had ever had. Four years later, he had graduated from college, and another four year four years later, Teddy wrote, "Thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference." The letter was signed Theodore uh, Stoddard, M.D. Mrs. Thompson wrote back, "Teddy." You have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference, and I don't know how to teach until I met you. Don't assume that you know everything. You have no idea what somebody else is like, is like, and when we help others, we are rewarded. And so we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow. May God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.